start with the Medrash from Chayisor. The Medrash says, Rabbi Akiva Hayadorish, Ubikshu Atalmidim Lanamda. Akiva was given a shear, and the Talmidim started to go to sleep. Nothing has changed in 2,000 years. Ubikesh Rabbi Akiva Laorurum. And Rabbi Akiva wanted to wake them up. So he said to them, Marosa Esther, what did Esther see that enabled her to rule over 127 Medinos? Let Esther, the great-great-granddaughter of Sora Imenu, who lived 127 years, rule over 127 Medinos. So they all woke up. What in the world is there any Kesher? between Sarah's 127 years and Esther's 127 Medinos, except it's the first same number. And Rabbi Akiva went on. The Mithdam Liyahu says that Rabbi Akiva was telling them a message. It wasn't saying something that startled them. Rabbi Akiva surmised that the reason his Talmidim were not listening to him is because he was speaking about Madrega's way above their head. And they reasoned, we'll get a good rest now. Why do we have to listen to this? It's way above us. And uh, when he comes down to our Madrega, we'll be well rested, we'll be able to listen. So Bikiva told him, you're making a big mistake. Do you know how Esther was able to rule over 127 Medinos? Because her entire life, she had sheifas, she aspired to be like Sora Imenu, who Chazal say didn't just live 127 years, but Kulam Shavim Matova, all of Sora Imenu's 127 years were equally for the good. That does not mean that they were equally good, because they weren't. The 90 years she didn't have children were not equally good with the 37 years she had Yitzchak. The night she was dragged to Paro or Avimelech was not equally good with the day that she celebrated Yitzchak of Eagle's bris. But it doesn't say Kulam Shavin Bitova. It says Kulam Shavin Litova. You can't control the situations that come to you in life, but you can control how you deal with them and how you guide them and how you react to them. And Sora Imenu was the quintessent Malka. The Shuri Das says that Malchus is not measured by how many people you can rule over, but how much you can rule over yourself and your Roy to rule over other people. So Sora Imenu was the quintessent Malka. She ruled over every second of her life. And Esther Hamalka aspired to be like Sora, to have that koach of Malchus. She never reached the level of Sora. But because she aspired, she had she'ifas, she at least reached her own potential. So Tura Akiva said, even though I'm speaking about Madrega's way above you, but if you don't have she'ifas for the highest, the highest goals, you'll never even reach your own potential. My Shiva, the gifters I saw, said there's a few Gemaras that you can ask the same kasha and give the same terrors. The Gemara says, Harotza lahachim yadrim. person wants to be a chacham, 
Shadavan a little bit to the south, the menorah was in the south, the menorah was the Seymel of Chachmas, the school of, to face a little bit towards the south if you want to be a Chacham. Well, the Gemara says, man, the boy, the heavy chassid, the person who wants to be a chassid, should be all second, me like the avos, me like the brachos, me like the ziki. Rashiva asks, the Gemara always speaks, Balashi Ketzora, the most concise, shortest way. Why didn't you just say, Hayad Rimyachim, Yidavim to the south, you'll be a chacham. Why didn't you just say, if you're all sick and avos, brachos, and you'll be a chassid? Why do you have to preface, man, the boy, the heavy chassid? Or Harot Zalahachim. He said, Pashat, if you don't want to be a Chacham, you can daven a thousand times a day to the south, you'll never be a Chacham. If you don't want to be a Chassid, you can do every possible right thing, you'll never be a Chassid. Everything starts with a Ratzel. You have a will, you have a desire, you want to grow, then the things to do to be able to do that. If you have no desire to grow, you just want to stagnate to where you are, so that's what you'll remain, and probably won't even remain like that. Because somebody once told me this world is like a down escalator that you're trying to run up. If you stop, you go down. If you put in a little effort, you stay still. A, little, a lot of effort, you get up. So if you have no rizonos to grow, you're going to end up going down. That's why the measure says, do you ever think we're going to reach the Maisim of Avram Yisraviyakov? No. But if you don't have Sheifas to reach the highest levels, then you'll never reach your own potential East either. The Rambam says that uh, it's a mitzvah to believe that one day Mashiach will come and there's a mitzvah to anxiously await him. And then the Rambam says, Anybody who doesn't believe in Mashiach, or he believes in Mashiach, but he's not anxiously awaiting him. Why a person who believes in Mashiach, but he's just not anxiously waiting, is a kofa. He's not in the mitzvah of achakelo. But why does the Rambam group him into a kofer? Kofer is neviim. Because if you don't desire something, that means you're not machshavit. It means that it doesn't mean something to you. So a person who understands what Mashiach is and isn't mechakil, be also to simon, he doesn't really believe that it could be either. Because if he would, he'd be mechakil. He'd have that rotsam. And this applies even to Moshe Rabbeinu. There's a Gemara in Baruchas. The Gemara says that Bishchus Vayashter Moshe Ponov Kara or Ponov. That Moshe Rabbeinu, um, when he encountered the Shrine for the first time by the snare, so he covered his face. He was afraid to look at the Shrine. So Chazal say he was rewarded for that. It was a mice of Anivus, a mice of Tzrius, right? Not to look at the Shechina, he wasn't holding by that. So he got a schar. Later on, Koran Or Pana. After Matan Torah, Moshe Rabbeinu's face shone with the, with the uh, uh, glory of the Shechina. Second man, the armor holds that he was punished for it. 
later on when he asked, Hareini Noes Vodechot, he wanted to see the Shechina, the Rabbanisham said, Kisharotzi Sila Rotzisa. When I wanted to show you my Shechina by the snare, you didn't want to look. Now you want to see? I don't want to show you. It's two kashas. First of all, we rarely find the machlokes One says he got rewarded for the same thing. The other one says he got punished. One said he did get rewarded, didn't get rewarded. But mamish Secondly, doesn't sound like the rabbonus alone. When I wanted to show you, you didn't want to look. Now you want to look, I don't want to show. Sounds like a six-year-old spiting somebody. That's how the Rebbeinu react. So I was thinking that really there's no machlokis. Everybody agrees that Moshe Rabbeinu did the right thing. He covered his face. He shouldn't have looked. It was Sanua. It was Anivus. That's not the Shaila. And for that he got rewarded. Koran Orpona. The other man, the Omer, says, Enochanami. There for sure was a reason to be rewarded. But there was also a reason why Moshe Rabbeinu was told the second thing. Kisharotzi silo rotzisa. It doesn't say, Kisharotzi silo hibatata. When I wanted to show you, you didn't look. You shouldn't have looked. But lo rotzisa. You should have behind your finger said, when will come the day that I'll be able to look? should have had a she'ifa to look. And since you didn't have a she'ifa then, now it's impossible. Without she'ifas, without having aspiring towards goals, you'll never be able to reach it, even Moshe Rabbeinu. Not only that, sometimes if a person has a strong enough rotsam, not only can they reach their potential, but they can go beyond their potential, create new potential. Ace of Russia comes in and finds that Yaakov Avinu took his brachas. So he says to his father Yitzchak, You must have something left. Give me a bracha too. And Yitzchak tells him in no uncertain terms, I gave him everything. There are no more brachas, period. And Esau begins to cry bitterly. And immediately Yitzchak gives him a slew of brachas that we're suffering from still today. So the Bali Musar asked, where did the brachas come from? One minute before, there were no more brachas. So where did Yitzhak pull these brachas from? And they say, when Esau cried so bitterly, and he wanted those brachas so badly, the Ratzon itself created new brachas in Shemai. So it's possible for a person with a strong Ratzon can even create new potential not just reach his own potential. So all of this is very nice. It's very nice not to want to stagnate and not to want to remain where you are, but each on his own madrega to want to become a bigger Tambat Chochem, to become a bigger Shomri Mitzvah, a bigger Balmitos, to be able to, to work at what you're doing and do it more Bermuna, one of the, the first questions you asked after a man, yes, we saw the Nosachov and Nososov Did you do your job, Bemunah? It's also something to have Sheifas for. To do it better, to do it more, Bemunus. Everybody has to have Sheifas, Lefi, what they, what, they, what their Madrega is. But it's not enough to have Sheifas. There's a story that's told 
not a chazal, just a story. There was a person who wanted very much to be a multimillionaire. And he imagined himself being a multimillionaire and giving money to tzedakah and supporting Torah and living a very comfortable life. But he knew that the only way he could ever become a multimillionaire is to win the lottery. If he worked for the next 500 years and saved every penny, he would not be a multimillionaire. So every day at the end of Shemona Esri, he would cry and beg, Rabbi Shalom, please let me win the lottery. I promise you, if I win the lottery, I have the money I give to Tzlaka right away, and the other half I will see to it to use only for good things. Rabbi Shalom, if I win the lottery, you gain. So let me win the lottery. And he cried and begged every day, three times a day, and this went on for 20 years. At the end of 20 years, the Malachim come to the Rabbanu Shalom, and they say, Rabbanu Shalom, we can't take this anymore. Every day, this guy begs and cries, let me win the lottery, let me win the lottery. You know, he sounds sincere, Rabbanu Shalom. What would be so terrible if you let him win the lottery? The Rabbanu Shalom says, I'd love to let him win the lottery. He never bought a ticket. You can want and want and want and have tremendous sheifas, but if you don't buy the ticket, you're not going to win the lottery. I want to be a bigger Talmud Chacham. Fine, do you have rope in a safer? No, but I want to be a bigger Talmud Chacham. I want to really have gvaltika mitos. Did you ever work on your mitos? No, but I want to have gvaltika mitos. I want to be more honest in my business dealings. I want to be a Yaakov Avinu, right? How he dealt with love, and that's what I want to do with my boss. Did you ever work on it? No. There's a medrash that says, I think, the same thing. The medrash says, Chalamoseim shal tzaddikim heim bashomayim veheim ba'oritz. When a tzaddik dreams, he dreams bashomayim uva'oritz. Yaakov Avinu dreamt sula musa varsa verosho magia shomayimo. A ladder whose head was in the heavens, but its feet were on the ground. What does it mean? Yaakov Avinu had the greatest she'ifas to be able to, uh, to, to, to reach Shammai. But he based it on a program firmly planted on the ground, one rung at a time. He didn't stand on the bottom and say, I wish I was up on top of the ladder. But he today took one step and another step. And that's the Chavomos of Tzadikim. They're Bashamayim, but they're also Boris. Standing on the water, not in the heavens, not on the earth, all wishy-washy. No great she'ifas and no great programs. So that is one condition that a person has to have in order to put his she'ifas into practice. It's not enough just to want. You have to do something about it. You have to have small range goals to be able to reach that long range goal. There's another condition. And that other condition is the following. The Vilna Gaon explains the Pasik in Mishle. Late Chacham Liamino, the late Ksil Ismola. He says what it means is the following. When you're learning a Sefer in Hebrew, so what you learned already is to the right. What you've yet to learn is to the left. 
A foolish person only looks to the left. He sees how much more there is to learn always. No matter how much you learn, there's always more to learn. And he gives up, closes the safer. The Chacham also would like to learn more and more. But every once in a while he looks to the right to see what he's accomplished. And that gives him the, the koach of the chizr to go on. It's true that a person, when it comes to ruchnius, should never be mistapik mamut, never be satisfied with where you're holding. You should want to go and grow more and more. On the other hand, you have to be sameach b'shelko. You have to be happy with what you accomplish and recognize, right? Okay, and I, I didn't learn all of Shas, but I learned two blocks more than I did last week. So I'm two blocks closer to my goal. If you don't recognize what you've accomplished, all you get is frustrated from constantly looking at where you're not holding. But if you're satisfied with what you accomplished, you'll never grow. So you have to have both things. You have to have a tremendous she'ifa to grow, at the same time to recognize and appreciate what you've already accomplished. Sameat b'chelko, but not mistapik b'muat. And I think we learned that from Rachel Imenu. Rachel Imenu wants a child. And she tells her husband, if I don't have a child, it's mesona. There's no purpose to live. And finally, the Rabbana Shalom grants her her wish, and she has a child. What does she name him? Yosef, for two reasons. Osaf Hashem Escher Posi. The Rabbanisham took away my shame. And Yosef Liben Acher. Give me another one. Very difficult. Rashi says, Tup Shatim in Osaf Hashem Escher Posi. What does it mean that the Rabbanisham took away my shame? The first one I understand. Rachel said, Until now, I didn't have a child. People said, I'm not fit to be one of the most. That's why the Rabbanu Shalom is not letting me have a child. Now the Rabbanu Shalom showed that I'm fit to be one of the most. So he took away my shame. I understand that. But Rashi says the second shot. Until now, said Rachel Imenu, if I broke a plate in the kitchen, people would blame me. But now I have a child. I can blame the kid for breaking the plate. So I'm taking away the shame. That's the reason Rachel Imenu said, if I don't have a kid, it's like I, I can't live. Why? Because I can't take being blamed for breaking plates in the kitchen. I need a child to blame. That's Rachel Imenu. Secondly, it's not going to work. Nobody is going to believe that a one-day-old child broke the plate. It's not going to help till the kid's six, seven, eight months, maybe. And thirdly, what kind of Jewish mother is that? The Jewish mothers I know blame themselves for everything their children do. And here's Rachel Imenu blaming a kid for what she did. She'll break the plate, but she'll break the kid. Take away her shame. That's why Rachel Imenu wanted a child. And the second reason for the name also makes sense. person wants something. And they, he chepes, a, 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 a teenager wants something, chepes his parents, please get it for me, and they don't say no. And he chepes them and chepes them every day, a few times a day. Finally, they give in. And they get him what he wants. And his reaction is, can I have another one? Well, you want another one. Say thank you. Tomorrow, ask for another one. You'll safely better. You just, yeah, you ask for a kid. You got a kid? 
What's this Yosef leave that Give me another one. Sounds chazelish. And I think the idea is Rachel Imenu wanted a child for the highest spiritual reasons. It's not nothing wrong with a woman wanting a child. There's any, every mother wants a child. But that's not what motivated Rachel Imenu. Back in a second, how I know. She wanted to build Klagiso. She wanted to create Shvotim. That was her tactless. Not as a mother wants a child, but she wanted to be one of the most of Klav Yisrael and build Klav Yisrael for the highest spiritual reason. How do I know? Because in this week's Sedra, Rachel Imenu is having that second child and uh, she's probably hemorrhaging and losing blood and the midwife sees that it's very dangerous and you lose blood, you could go into shock. If you go into shock, so it's uh, a big sakana. So if you have a situation like that, somebody is bleeding profusely, and they could go into shock, you try to calm them down. So they don't go into shock. So what do you tell such a person? You're the midwife. Rachel Imenu is in danger of dying. What do you tell her to calm her down? So I would tell her, look, you're gonna pull through. Everything's gonna be fine. You're gonna dance at the chasna of this child. Don't worry, things are gonna be okay. That's what I would tell the mid, the, the woman. What does the midwife tell Rachel Imenu? Al Tiri, don't worry. It's a boy. At that moment, Rachel Imenu is in danger of dying. What difference does it make if it's a boy, a girl, or a giraffe? That's what the midwife has to tell her. It's a boy. So the midwife understood that Rachel Imenu wanted this child to build Claudia. If it's a boy, she added another shaven. If it's not a boy, with all due respect to the girls, not another shaven. Rachel Imenu felt it's worth to die to bring another shaven into the world. It's not worth to live if it's not another shaven. So the midwife knew telling her she'll put through didn't mean anything to her. What it meant to her is it's a boy. It's a boy fine. So Rachel Imenu wanted a child for the highest spiritual reasons. When it comes to Ruchnius, there's nothing wrong with wanting more and more. A person never should be nostalgic but would. And if she has one, I want another one. There's nothing wrong with that. A person has to have tremendous shaifas, tremendous aspirations. I want more. I'm not satisfied with what I have. At the same time, you have to be happy with the smallest good that accrued. Because if you're not happy with the smallest, then you'll never be happy with love. Because nothing will be big enough to make you happy. So therefore, Rachli Menu said, I'm not satisfied. I want another one and I want to build Klad Yisrael. But I'm happy with the smallest benefit I had from this first child. What's the smallest benefit? Until now, if I broke a plate in the kitchen, they blame me. But now I have a child. Now I'm going to blame the child. You know what people are going to say? You know why she can't focus on what she's doing and she's breaking plates? Because her mind is on her child. Probably was up all night. Probably, what's it called? She's worried about him. So she can't focus and, 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 and be careful with what she's doing because she has a child to worry about. Her mind is on the child. Now she's going to blame the child for breaking the plate. But people will understand 
that if she breaks a play, it's because her mind's on the child. That's the smallest benefit that she could have gotten from having this child. But I'm happy with that, but I'm not satisfied with it. I want another one, and I want to build Klan Yisrael. So that's how a person has to be. He has to be at the same time, enomistatik benmuet, when it comes to ruchnias, at the same time, to be somech bechelka. Happy, but not satisfied. There's another, uh, another t'nai in how to realize your one she'ifas. Aside from having a program step by step to lead them, aside from recognizing and being happy with what you've accomplished, but not satisfied with it, there's another t'nai. They say the Chafetz Chaim used to go into the base Medrash and Radin at midnight and put out the lights and force his Talmud to go to sleep. So they would protest. What young, red-blooded, future Talmud Chacham wants to go to sleep at midnight? We want to learn till three in the morning. I mean, how's it going to look when Art Scroll writes our biography that when we were teenagers he went to sleep at midnight? And even though they can write whatever they want, but my it's better to write the truth. So we want to stay up till 3 o'clock in the morning. Chofetz Chaim says, very nice, but that's Yetz Sahara. It's a Sotan. He said, what kind of a Sotan? What's Yetz Sahara going to gain if we stay up till 3 o'clock in the morning learning? So I tell you, you have to get up for davening at 7 o'clock. Going to sleep at 3 and getting up at 7, very little chance you're going to get to davening. So we already know what the Sutton game game that you're not going to die in Betsiba. Let's say you're able to do it. You could keep up going to sleep at three, getting up to se- at seven. How long can you keep that up? A week, two weeks, three weeks? By a month, you'll fall off your feet from exhaustion. You'll be in bed for a month and not be able to learn a word. The Sutton is a very shrewd businessman. He's willing to invest a few hours now for no learning for a month. And he said, even if that doesn't happen, by staying up so late when you're young, you're going to shorten your life. So the chassatim will get his profit at the end of your life. Years he won't learn. He says, says the Chafetz Chaim, that's what we say in davening every night. Sotan is an obstacle. I understand you can have an obstacle in front of you. How can you have an obstacle behind you? What's a sotan me'acharein? Imagine a woman who wants to do chesed. She has this bug. She wants to do chesed. And the sotan knows that if he tries to stop her, she'll steamroll him over. She has such a tremendous she'ifa for chesed that nothing's going to stop her. Okay. So Satan sees he's not going to be able to stop her. So he runs around behind her. And he says, you want to do chesed? Fine. Chesed in the morning, in the afternoon, at night. Don't eat, don't sleep. Don't see your husband, don't see your children. Chesed all day. How long will it take for her to burn out? Until she doesn't want to look at chesed again in her life? A month, two months, whatever. So the Satan sometimes pushes you from behind they go too fast. You have a ladder. You're supposed to climb the ladder one rung at a time. If you try to jump up the ladder too fast, usually you fall back and break your neck. So you have to 
gauge yourself, right? According each person, according to what they can do. Not too fast, not too slow. Don't be lazy, but don't be overly um, eager to grow when you're not holding. You're not holding by that. That's another condition. You have to have long-range goals and short-range goals, and you have to pace yourself to be able to grow, but grow in a way that you're not going to fall back. And the last condition, which is the last one that I'm going to speak about, is the following. Another, another t'nai in growing and using she'ifas properly. Torah says, Ma'at ma'at agori shesoamim ho'elam ipanechot Lo'sucha le'gor shemaher Pen tirbe olecho chayis ha'son Supposed to like that, something like that. Close. The Ronisham says we're going to destroy the seven nations slowly. So you can occupy the land that you're destroying them right, at a pace that you'll be able to do that. Because if we destroy them quickly, you're not going to be able to occupy the land as fast as you're destroying them. And the land will be desolate. And in desolate land comes wild animals. And you'll have problems with wild animals. Says Rashi, what's the problem? We have a haftacha, that when we're ocean, we're so much we don't have to worry about wild animals. So destroy them fast. And you won't be able to occupy the land as fast as you're destroying them. But you don't have to worry, because wild animals won't give you any problem, because you'll be doing Rasa Hashem. Ela, Goli, Viyadua, Lefonov, Rashi, Shasidim, Lachto. We're not going to be doing Rasa Hashem. The Ma'ad of to learn from this Indian, of what the Rabbonish, how the Rabbonisham functions with us. Let me give you a, a marshal. Imagine a, um, a woman who has a nine-year-old son who is a big masmid and a big balmitos tovos, and he learns about the best kid in the shir. And the mother dreams that one day this child's going to grow up to be the next chazonish. And she uh, dreams at night, I'm going to be the mother of the chazonish. Every time she sees her son, the little chazonish, right, she fails from the, the thought that I'm going to be the mother of the chazonish. And one day, she sees a little nine-year-old riding his bicycle. She goes out and says, what are you doing? The chazonish doesn't ride bicycles. Get off that bicycle, get in the house, put your feet in ice water and learn for the next 22 hours. She's going to destroy that child. She has tremendous she'ifas for the child. But you have to deal with the child as he is now, not according to your expectations. That's exactly how the Rabbanism functions too. Give me another mush. Somebody's a teacher, and they're given to teach fourth grade for the first time in their life. They spend the whole summer vacation creating a lesson plan for fourth grade. Beautiful lesson plan. Hours and hours went into it. Comes the first day of school, she faces these fourth graders and sees that they accomplished absolutely nothing in third grade. 
The first day of school, they locked the teacher in the closet and they partied the rest of the year. They're totally on a third grade level. Her fourth grade curriculum is wasted on them. She has two choices. She can say, look, if you would have done what you're supposed to do, you'd be at a very nice fourth grade level and my curriculum would be perfect for you. You didn't do it, she'll suffer. You're going to have to deal with a fourth grade curriculum even though it's way above your head. Or if she can say, look, I have to deal with the Matthias. The Matthias is that they're on a third grade level. I'm going to have to change my curriculum to fit their third grade level. How does the Rabonisum function? The second way. The Rabonisum says, I would like to destroy these nations as fast as possible. And if you do my Rasen, there's no reason why we can't do that. Destroy them quickly. I wild animals, you don't have to worry about wild animals. So let's destroy them quickly because they're a blight on the world. My Ba'avod Rishoyim Rina. And uh, everything will be fine. But Goli Lefonov Shasidim Lachto. They're going to have to worry about wild animals. So what does the Rabbanisham say? Tough luck. My plan of destroying them quickly is fine if you be doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, suffer. He doesn't do that. Changes his plan. Now I have to destroy them slowly to accommodate your lower madrig. A person has to have she'ifas for himself, for his children, for his parents, for his chaverim. But you have to deal with yourself and with others as things are, not as you'd like them to be. Because if you deal with yourself as you would like to be, you're also giving yourself an asoyim that you can't possibly possibly pass. You have to have a she'ifa, you have to want to grow, but you have to deal with yourself as you are now with a little bit of a push to be able to grow. You have to know how to grow and how to grow at what pace and to have a ladder with rungs. And all those are conditions for these she'ifas. With that, I want to explain two things from last week's center. Says, Azivas Tzadik Minamokam Oseroshi. Why did it say, Vayetze Yaakov, Vayelech? Could it just say, Vayelech Yaakov? We know if he went, he left. We knew he was a Gershava before. Elo Malame, Shekos Mansha Tzadik Ba'ir, Hu Ziva, Hu Hoda, Hu Ador. He enlightens them, says the Maral, the Torah. And he beautifies them with midos tovos, and he glorifies them with mitzvahs. Yotza tzadik min ha'ir, pona ziva, pona hoda, pona hador. Now, I don't know why Rashi calls that aziva tzadik min ha'mokam osarosha. It makes an impression. I would describe it as when a tzadik leaves a place, it takes away an impression. And it makes an impression. Making impression is something positive. Taking away an impression is what Rashi describes. Took away everything that the tzaddik brought to the city. So why does Rashi call, call it Osarosha? I was thinking, before the tzaddik came to that city, there was no ziv and no hold and no hodr. Nobody missed it. That was status quo. Came the tzaddik to the city and brought all these beautiful things. And now he leaves. What are you going to tell me? It went back to the way it was before? No. There's a difference. Because now people miss it. 
they tasted what that Ziv Holden Hodler was. And when he left, it left a vacuum. And they have a tremendous she'ifa to get it back. That's osa lotion. That makes a positive lotion. Sometimes you grow, you reach higher madregas, you're able to, to, to have an aliyah in, in Torah and Yerushalayim, and you fall backwards. What do you think? You're back where you started. No. But now that you've tasted that higher madregas, you know what it's like to have that aliyah. It gives you a cheshit to get it back. That itself is something positive. And one last thing. Yaakov Avinu, 14 years, held himself from going to bed. He slept. Can't not sleep for 14 years. The Gemara says somebody makes a nether not to sleep for three days. You give him malchus and tell him to go to sleep. It's not shy. Humanly impossible. So it doesn't mean Yaakov didn't sleep for 14 years. It means he never went to bed. He never prepared himself for bed. He put his head down and, 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 and slept. And as soon as he woke up, he continued learning for 14 years. He said the Satma Rebbe was like that. He never went to bed. Just slept where he was and finished and then continued learning. So uh, all of a sudden, he's running away from Asa. He has a day to go to get to Lavan, and that night, that night he sets up a bed with, a, with, with the stones or whatever. He couldn't wait one more night. Fourteen years he didn't go to bed. All of a sudden you're running away from it. Now you have to go to bed. I was thinking for the following. Because I'll say that before a person dies, his neshama gives a tsa'aka that goes me sofa olam via sofa, goes from one end of the world to the other. Says Rukhain Valajana. What is that sa'aka? What is so traumatic that the neshama sees right before a person loses his word? Says Rukhain Valajana, the Rabbanishim shows him a split screen, two tmunas. On one side of the screen, he sees what he could have been had he developed all his potential. And on the other side, he sees what he actually was. And when the neshama sees the gulf between the two visions, it gives a geshrei that goes, we sofa olam yasofa. I want to add to that word. The lashem, we sofa olam yasofa, is uh, difficult. She said, me rosha olam yasofa. Why me sofa olam yasofa? It could be, the Gemara Megillah has a machlokas rav and shmuel, where hodu and kush were. Hamolech me hodu kush. One of them says Hodu and Kush were right next to each other. And just like Achashverosh ruled over Hodu and Kush, which were under his thumb, so too he ruled over the whole world the same way. And the other one says, no, Hodu and Kush were opposite ends of the world. And he was molded from Hodu to Kush and everything in between. Says the Vildagon, how could there be a machlokas in a base medrash where Hodu and Kush are? Get out a map and see where Hodu and Kush are. You don't have a map. Start walking from Hodu and see if you get to Kush right away or it takes a while. It's like sitting here and we'll have a machlokas if New York and Los Angeles are right next to each other or at opposite ends of the country. Get a machlokas. Go find out. It's a Messias. Besides that, they both be right. Either it's right next to each other or opposite ends of the world. Says the Dundagon's no problem. The world's a globe. So every two points on the globe are both right next to each other and at opposite ends of the world. 
If you go this way, the building right across the street is right next to this building. But if you go that way, you're not going to get to that building till you go around the whole world. So every two places are right next to each other and at opposite ends of the world, just perspective. So they're both right. The Shaila is only, what does the Megillah want to tell me? The Echos of Achashverosh's Malchus or the Kabos of Achashverosh's Malchus. Comes out from that, that if you have a point on the globe, point in the world, and all you look at it is an end in itself, it's a point. But if you cut it in half, and you start on the top, and you consider that a beginning point, then you have to go all the way around the world to get to the end of the point. Every point is cold of the whole world. That's potential. Potential is a little point. That's all. If you don't develop it and you look at it as an end in itself, then that's it. It remains a little point. But if you look at it as a starting point and you develop it, every bit of potential contains a whole wealth. That's what a person is. That's what the neshama screams. Me sofa olam sofa. It considered its potential an end to an end, not a beginning to an end. And therefore, it remained only a point. Because I'll say that Shema, sleeping, is Echod Mishishim Shal Misa. One sixtieth of Misa. What does that mean? It doesn't mean if you have 60 people sleeping, a Kohen can't come into the room. Not what it means. It also doesn't mean if you sleep 60 times, you're finished. So what does it mean, Shema is Echod Mishishim Misa? Whenever Chazal say Echad Mishishim, it's like by Kashras. That's the smallest amount that maintains its identity. So Shema and Misa have a connection. Shema is the, the smallest idea that still identifies with Misa. By Misa, a person's goof and the Shama separate completely. And by sleeping, it separates partially. So a person who's asleep has a, a shaykhist to Misa. Menela, just like when a person dies, the Rabbanisham shows him the difference between what he could have been and what he was. When a person sleeps also, what are you thinking about? What's on your mind? What are your she'ifas? And therefore Yaakov Avinu said, if I have she'ifas, then I'll be able to survive in the house of Lava. If I don't have sheep, as I learned 14 years, but I have no desire to go higher and to grow, then I'll never be able to survive loving. I have to know. So he went to sleep that night to be able to see what is he really bored. And Takaso, what he's dreaming about is a Sula Mutsavarsa and Rosho Magia Shomaima and Malachi Elohim Olam Yortimba. Balabas once told me years ago. He said, when did Yaakov Vinu know that it's time to leave base Lavan? He said, when I came here, I was dreaming about Malachim climbing ladders. And now I'm dreaming about Behemoth. It's time to go home. Right? That's what's on my mind, Behemoth. And before it was Malachim, obviously, I shouldn't be here anymore. So Yaakov Vinu Badafka went to sleep that night to see what was on his mind. What was he dreaming about? Right? What was his... What are his she'ifas? To see if he'd be able to survive in the house of love or not. Bottom line, every person, ish lefi matzavo, has to have tremendous she'ifas to grow lefi what their matzav is.
But you have to have she'ifas to be the best you could possibly be. Not anything less than that. You may never reach that madrega, but at least you'll reach your potential, like what Shire for you to reach. But it has to be with all of the conditions that we mentioned. It's not enough just to want and to be showing. But you have to put all the qualifications that we said. You have to have a program and you have to appreciate what you've accomplished and you have to deal with yourself uh, according to the Messias and not according to your expectations. And you can't go too fast or too slow. It has to fit your pace. If everybody does that and each person will bring out their potential and when each person will bring their potential, that will bring the geula to the world. And with a story, which is only a story also. A man was reading a magazine, and his little five-year-old was bothering him incessantly. He couldn't make headway in the magazine. So he saw that one page of the magazine is a map of the world. So he tore it out, tore it into 20 little pieces, calls his son over, he says, here's a map of the world, it's a puzzle. Go put it together and don't come back to me until you finish. Now he figured the kid's five years old, he has no idea what the picture of the world looks like. So the only way he can put it together is by matching the contours of the tear. It's gonna take him hours. He says, fine, I kept him busy for hours. I can now get to finish my magazine. 15 minutes later, the kid comes, I finish. Father said, impossible. I, unless you knew what the world, the map of the world looked like, so you put it together according to the picture, there's no way you could have put it together in 15 minutes. He says, come and look. And sure enough, on the glass top of a coffee table, the map is reconstructed perfectly. Father says, wow, you're a genius. You must have known what the picture looked like. He said, no, it was very easy. See, on the other side of the page was a picture of a person. I just put the person together and the whole world fell into place. So everybody puts themselves together and reaches their potential, and the world will also reach its potential. But he has well said they can hate the other. Yeah, my grandfather is Dr. Sam.